This is Tom Vargelettis with the Full-Time Real Estate Photographer Podcast, and we've got a few more questions from two listeners of the podcast. The first one is Jeff from Sarasota, Florida. Jeff works at Realtors Media. You can check them out on realtorsmedia.com. Jeff asked about staging services and networking. Jeff has done many photo shoots and it looks like he has many more to go where he's had the opportunity to work closely with a stager, not a virtual stager, but a person who comes to each listing before a photo shoot to dress the place up, you know, furniture, decor. And Jeff was wondering if I ever work closely with a stager. And he was curious about my opinion about making a formal business relationship with stagers. Jeff, thank you so much for the question. Basically, no, not really. I I have done photo shoots at listings where there were stagers and I've had to coordinate with them before, but I haven't really worked closely with one. I do know other real estate photographers that do. And from what I know, it seems like it could be a really mutually beneficial move. And you know how I love win-win scenarios. And on the topic of win-win scenarios when it comes to business, so a lot of people have this misconception that when you're in business or running a business, it's basically a zero-sum game. You know, one person wins, one person loses. The fact is, when, when I'm trying to work on any kind of business relationship, I only try to make deals where everyone is as happy as possible. I always look for that win-win. Teaming up with a stager could be a really great idea. I know someone who is actually advertised on the stager's website and they kind of cross-pollinate each other. When the photographer gets a photography gig, he plugs the staging service. And when the stager gets a staging gig, they include the photography in their invoice. So they call him out for all of their staging gigs if there hasn't already been a photographer hired for that job. From what I can tell, he gets some business out of it. Those kind of partnerships are great. Personally, I prefer to partner up with brokers. I like to focus on real estate agents. But if you have a stager that is busy enough, that will either have an agreement to refer you to their clients or to include your services in their own, that's always a great win-win. Now, you want to make sure that your photography is at the right level that's going to be congruent with what the stager is looking for because they're going to use your photos to market themselves. In fact, when you make that agreement, you might even want to have a special bartering type of contract where if you're being used exclusively, you'll give them full access without signing all of your rights away from the images. You can license them use of your images to promote their business with the agreement that, you know, you're going to get all of their photo shoots. It can be a really great deal. Now, not all stages are going to be into that. Some are not going to care one way or the other. I've talked to some stagers, some pretty big stagers out in the Boston area, and they're like, we like you, we think your photos are great, but we're just doing this and we're not interested in focusing on anything else. You can get some of that, but a lot of the stagers might be interested in a special kind of deal, especially if you could offer, let's say, special prices for the stagers. If your standard retail rate is, let's say, $200 for a photo shoot, maybe say, hey, you know, for... 150 maybe i can throw in the photo shoot for you guys and then you can add that which is not much of a price hike especially when it comes to how much people will spend on staging again it depends on how are you going to present that idea to the stager 
if you have good quality photography, a good portfolio to show them if they just don't know you at all, or if they do know you, you know, you want to be able to make that pitch. This is a win-win. We can both build our businesses together. Jeff had a second question. He asked about networking with stagers and how might I bring staging up to real estate agents, especially when the listing is cluttered or underfurnished. And that's a pretty important issue to cover. Jeff, when you said network, I think what you mean here is prospect because you want to find those people and find those business relationships. Prospecting, I always have the same exact approach. I just look at who I want to contact and what can I offer them that is going to be of value. Then how can I make the contact with staging companies? It might just be a matter of find their websites and give them a call. Maybe you could even set up a meeting with them reach out, email, whatever you have to do, maybe call and email at the same time and say, hey, I'm a real estate photographer local to the area. I see you do some great work. Since real estate photography is my full-time job or, or you know, part-time or whatever, since real estate is my specialty, I would love to have a meeting with you, sit down and talk about potentially working together on future staging jobs. I'd love to help promote your business because I shoot a lot of houses that need staging badly, and it's always good to have a stager in my contacts that I can refer business to. They're going to think, oh, okay, this guy wants to give me some business. Yeah, maybe we'll meet or maybe I'll just send you a package of information. And then you can go from there. It's up to you how far you want to pursue it. You could potentially, there's enough staging companies out there that are busy. You might even be able to set up a bunch of these kinds of relationships. And most of your business, if not all of it, could come from stagers. Another approach, a little bit of a warmer approach, if you're not comfortable with just cold outreach to stagers, Talk to some of your current clients, ask what stagers that they work with and see if they could make the connection or set up a meeting or something. You might have a little bit more success with making it through to the stager or at least piquing their interest if it's through an existing client of theirs. When you actually get in touch with stagers, let's say you've prospected, you've made your calls and you want to really incentivize them to actually have you come out and do photo shoots for their staging jobs, you could just offer to do a couple free photo shoots just to get it started. If you don't really have a strong portfolio or if you've shown it to them and let's say maybe they didn't even check it or they're like, yeah, not really interested. They're kind of wishy-washy on the fence. They could go one way or the other. Well, just offer to do a photo shoot or two for free. Usually I really hate to do that, but when you have the opportunity to get your foot in the door for a high volume of business, it's totally worthwhile. For a real estate agent, you don't know them at all, and they're like, well, if you do this one for free, and then the rest of them will do full price or at a reduced price. I had a whole podcast episode about dealing with questions like that. I, I won't do that because even if it's a super high-producing real estate agent, the odds of them actually calling you back at the agreed upon rate hike, it's much, much lower than if you were to work with a business as a B2B service, like a stager. That would be a good idea to get in with a stager, but not a good idea to get in with a real estate agent. There might be some scenarios where I'm wrong about that. And if you were only to give a real estate agent a free photo shoot, you'd have 20 shoots a week for the rest of your life from that one client. Well, you're going to have to make that decision on your own. But I highly, highly recommend not doing that. In fact, I would only offer this to the stager as like a last resort. Like I said, if they're really on the fence, they don't want to make a decision. This might be a way that you could push them over to a favorable decision. 
Another way you could try and build up a relationship with a stager without setting up an explicit business relationship is just to pick a stager that you really like to work with or that you think would be a really great person to work with and just refer them to all your clients over and over and over. And then when the referral actually goes through and that person hires that stager you referred to, reach out to them and say, hey, I really loved your work. I just referred you to so-and-so. Here's their number if they allowed you to share their number or you know, expect a call from this person. And I really hope to be able to shoot another listing that you've staged. You do a great job. They will really appreciate that. That's another way to get some stagers' attention if you really want to set up like an actual business relationship with them. Eventually, over time, they'll just say, hey, you know what? You've been working with us already. Why don't we just make it official? But on the topic of real estate agents, when the photographer, the real estate photographer arrives on site to do the photo shoot, it is far too late to be talking about staging. Now, there are situations and it happens where we show up to a house that is just not ready and then we have to reschedule and come back. Well, not only did we lose time out of the calendar and then our client got hit with some late fees, they're probably not going to also have the time to set up staging. Usually people who are staging a property or who know they're going to do that or might need it, they're going to be planning that in advance because it's not as easy to schedule in as a photo shoot. Stagers tend to have a little bit less flexibility. Sometimes they can be really quick, but normally a photo shoot, you could take it within 24 hours. Someone could call you, cancel an appointment. Someone could call you five minutes later for the same time slot you just opened up and then book a new appointment right there for the same day. In photography, you've got a lot of flexibility. You can shuffle things around. Real estate agents that are trying to do staging and photography last minute are probably far and few between. I know that they're out there. There's plenty of unorganized agents just running back and forth in a frenzy trying to do everything at the last second. There's plenty of those. Usually when you're at the listing ready to do a photo shoot and you're looking around and thinking, yuck, (laughs) it's a little late to bring up staging. You can have that conversation with the agent and say, look, you know, this listing would have really benefited from staging. Would you like to reschedule or would you like to, for a future listing, hire this stager that I know and work with? That would be probably the only other alternative because if you're there to do a photo shoot and you're like, wow, this house would really benefit from staging. Well, it's it's a little late to have that conversation. And, you know, it's hard to even know for sure for some listings when you're showing up there. Your best bet probably would be to take notes on the client because you'll notice, like I said, there's some real estate agents that are just really squared away. Everything is in order always. And then there's some real estate agents running around doing everything at the last minute. If you're showing up to listing after listing for this one client and they are routinely not looking too good, that's the person as soon as they call you to book an appointment, you can ask them about staging and have that conversation. If you really wanted to push a relationship with a stager, like I said, you could refer them to the client as they call you. You can put them on your website. You can wrap the staging fees if you know you know a ballpark what the fee would be into photography and offer it as a bundled service just call the stager up you could do all kinds of offers like that the sky is really the limit if you are at a listing and you're like this house needs to be staged and i want you to stage this before i do the photo shoot can we reschedule um you'd really need to incentivize them to do it you could for example waive cancellation fees you could offer them a special rate on photography if it's not included already in the staging. 
you could use your imagination, but it's going to come down to what's going to be the most beneficial decision to make for your business. Because there comes a point with some people where you want more for them than they want for themselves. If you're looking at a house and you're just like, wow, this house would be gorgeous. If only we staged it properly, it would be perfect. We get to get all this crap out of here. Well, some agents might not care at all. Some of them either don't have the budget or are not interested in spending a dollar more than they absolutely have to. So it can be a difficult conversation to have. Some agents, they just won't want to do it. You want to consider before you really start to pressure a client how open they would be to that idea in the first place. And you can make that decision on your own discretion based on how well you know this client and what your rapport is with them. If you can even have that conversation. Some people might get defensive and say, well, the house is fine. What are you talking about? It's fine. And then some people will just say, yeah, I know. It's a dump, but this is what we have to work with. So <laughs> usually what I'll tell clients is, look, I can do my best, but you're asking me to polish a turd and I can polish a turd, but I can't make it not look like a turd. Like if the house is cluttered and full of crap and then there's holes in the wall and piles of laundry in the corner, I can do some stuff in Photoshop, but how much money do you want to spend here on editing? It's important to have that conversation too sometimes because the listing agent might not know what the condition of the house is. That's another issue that is worth bringing up. If you see a house that needs to be staged, it's at least worth calling the agent if they're not present or if they have no idea. That can avoid a lot of other problems. Sometimes the seller will say the house is ready. The listing agent will not preview the house. You'll show up and you'll say, uh, this is not ready. It's worth giving the agent a heads up. Take a couple photos on your phone, text them over, maybe a quick little video, text it over and give them a call just so they know what's going on. Even if they don't buy into staging, it's just good to have that kind of communication when you can. Like I said, some agents are not going to be open to it or are not going to care. If that's how they want to run their business, that's their prerogative. If you want to try and get more deals or more referrals with a stager that you really like and you want to work closely with, you just got to keep pushing it. That's all. Jeff, I hope that answers all of your questions. I know that with the uh, stager that you're working with right now, those are all prearranged. It's not a formal relationship between you and the stager. But if you are interacting with a stager, it's worth having that conversation. Would you like to do some business with each other? In your situation, you could say, hey, we're already doing this. Why not we make an official deal? So for other clients, you can offer really high quality photography so I can display your designs, your interior designs as best as they can be displayed. You don't want to let an inferior photographer take images of your stuff and then make it not look quite so good. They might be open to doing that. It's just a matter of calling them up and having the conversation. Okay, next question comes from Vlad Kaczynski. Vlad actually left me a message through anchor.fm or the Anchor podcasting app. It's an app where you can indeed send me voice messages. If you didn't know, that's because I'm using Anchor to host the podcast. They syndicate out to all of the major podcasting apps. So whatever app you're listening to this on right now, that was done automatically for me by Anchor. It's not a sponsored post. That's just the service that I'm using for anyone who is curious. Since Vlad left us a beautiful voice message, I'll let him speak for himself. Yes, really enjoy your podcast. I have been doing photography for real estate for a couple of years now, and I was thinking about adding a video component to my business. And I was wondering, it doesn't seem like there's much of a market for this kind of thing. Nobody's really doing it around here. They don't do much. 
and I don't know, pricing. And is that something that's viable? I just don't see it done that much, but it seems like it's popular. I've had a couple of people ask about it. Anyway, just wondering what your opinion is. Thank you. Vlad, thank you for your question. So a video can be a really fun and a profitable service to offer. But if you're not super confident and experienced in your videos taking skills, it could become a nightmare. Uh, so I offer video in my business. I do real estate videos, realtor promo videos, client testimonials, and the occasional corporate video that I'll get through you know, clients of mine. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but it can make for a very expensive add-on for your business. And I mean expensive for you. If you only want to add real estate video, really all you need is a good video camera and a good gimbal. Then, of course, you know, the editing software to make the video yourself or at least access to a good editor who can make the final video for you. If you wanted to add talking head videos, you know, with videos with people talking in them to your service, now you'll need to invest a lot more in quality audio gear and lighting gear. And that can get extremely expensive. Even if you're just hunting for deals and trying to get the cheapest stuff, just the amount of stuff you need to deal with every single scenario, people will say, oh, you just need a good lavalier mic and I'll just shoot with natural light. Okay, the same issue applies in real estate photography. Yeah, you can just shoot with natural light and you know just, just have a camera. But if you want to have a higher production level, if you want to have a higher quality, of production, something that's going to actually impress people where they'll look at that and say, wow, you're doing a, that looks great. You did a great job on this. And then make them want to hire you again and again. You want to be able to deal with any situation, which is why we use a camera with a tripod and flash and we use flash triggers. So we're not touching the camera and moving it around. And so we can go throughout the house and trigger the camera remotely and we can work faster and take higher quality photos. When you're doing video with talking head people, you're going to want lavaliers. You're going to want the little sticky things and the little clips to hide the lavalier mics when you can. You're going to want to have some shotgun mics when you're shooting outdoors, a couple sound blankets probably with those little background stands to just throw them up quickly. You're going to want to have some lighting gear and you're not going to have to build a set like you'd see in a movie or a TV show, but you'd at least want to be able to deal with just about any situation that you'll be thrown in because the one time that you're in that difficult situation that you can't handle it, that client is going to now associate your inability to deal with that one situation with all of your ability to do business. So if you want to get into that level of video, you can. And I'll talk more about resources for actually learning how to take that super high quality video. But let's move on. Whether you want to just get into real estate video or something else, maybe down the line, you'll still want to start with a portfolio. So the fundamentals still apply here when it comes to prospecting for business and getting clients for anything. If you have an existing real estate photography business and you want to start adding video, go ahead and reach out to clients, ask them about video if they'd be interested in it so you can do some test shoots there and maybe offer the video to them for free or for a very reduced rate because you're going to be using it in a portfolio so that would be a quick easy way to get some video clips to share with people this is something that i'll do all the time when i have someone call me and they're like i'm thinking about video i say great i have a bunch of different video examples i can send you which one would you like to do 
you know, here's a demo reel. It's five minutes long with you know a talking head thing, just some really basic interior shots and drone shots. What kind of video do you want to put together here? If you don't have a lot of clients that are interested in video right now, maybe a couple people, you'll want to at least find some listings that you can take video at. If the listing agent's not going to be there and it's a really nice house, you could probably just sneak some video and then throw them together, share them privately with people to say, hey, look, this is something that I can do. You could even take some video at a listing, put the video together, watermark it, offer it to the client and say, hey, this is a low resolution watermarked version of a video that I took at the house. Would you be interested in buying this? I could send you the full resolution, no watermark for X dollars. You could probably get some sales doing that. I personally haven't had to do anything like that. I have done that before with like Twilight, sometimes with drone photos too, just to say, hey, you weren't there. I couldn't reach you. I really thought you needed this. So I went ahead and did it. Here's the low resolution watermarked images. If you're interested, this many dollars more. Some people actually bit. Uh, that was a really good way for me to actually to get people going on some of these services. I don't do this anymore, but I used to offer what I call driveway delivery, where before I leave the driveway, I'd pull out my laptop, I'd edit one exterior, one interior, and text and email them to the agent before I left. I don't do all of my editing anymore, so there's just no way for me to, to work that quickly, even for two images. But yeah, that's what I would do. I'd, before I left the house, I'd uh, text and email over low resolution watermarked images, say, hey, this is my driveway delivery service. I can do a couple images for X dollars more. If you agree to it, I can send you the full resolution files. You can do your coming soon listing posts and share on social media. And, uh, you know, it's only going to cost you, I don't know, I think it was like 30 or 40 bucks or whatever. I got a bunch of people with that. It's good to think of those little ideas anyway, whether you're going to apply this to video or not. Just little tips to increase your average invoice per client. Once you have your video portfolio, same deal as getting uh, photography clients, just prospecting, reaching out to people, letting them know. If you've been doing office presentations or you had a portfolio book put together, you want to update those things and you want to re-reach out to these people, maybe do a follow-up presentation, do follow-up calls. It's also a good idea to use any kind of changes in your business as a pretense for an additional follow-up. If you have a plan set once every other week, once a month, whatever, for emails, calls, texts, and remember, you want to have a follow-up plan. Don't let your clients go months and months and months without ever hearing from you. If they are having a dry spell in their business, you want to stay top of mind. You don't want the next photographer that they meet to get the next listing that they've had, even though they would have called you if only they could remember, oh, where did I put his phone number? Just over time, they'll, just, they'll forget your name. They'll forget the URL to the website. You probably have clients that you've been working with regularly that will still call you up and say, hey, what's the link to book the photo shoot on or silly things like that. It just happens. And it's your responsibility as the business owner, as the photographer to stay in contact with your clients. Any kind of changes like this, reach out to everybody. Let them all know, hey, we just added the service. Here's some basic pricing. Here's a link to the portfolio, a little demo reel. Check it out. Let me know what you think just to make sure no one is forgetting about you. And then you just get to work. <laughs> and like I said, if you really want to start getting more into real estate video, try and sneak in a couple videos and watermark them and send them to the agent. Try and offer to some clients that you know really well and say, hey, I've been working on more video. You've been bringing me a lot of business. I'd like to give something back to you. Could we do 
either a client testimonial video or a promo video for you or for your next listing, just a one minute long, quick little thing just to help you out. I'd really appreciate the opportunity to do something for you since you've been so good to me. And they're going to be like, oh my God, yeah, of course. You might have some people that are going to be a little camera shy and no matter what you say or how you say it, they won't be interested. But if you're not getting the business that you're looking for, then reaching out to people with that approach of gratitude and wanting to share and help them, you're going to have a really, really positive response to that. Even if after that, you're still not getting the kind of business you want and you're still just not really seeing your video side of your business getting traction, then what you really want to focus on is increasing your production level or your production value. There's so much to learn about video. And, and like I mentioned earlier, it can be really difficult to be able to deal with every single situation. You can work magic in Photoshop, but when you're dealing with video, unless you're this big production studio with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of computer gear and rendering gear, you're not going to be able to do sky replacements all that easily. <laughs> you're not going to be able to deal with blown out highlights or just crushed shadows. If you're recording with the wrong white balance or your ISO is too high, it, it's just so many things that could go wrong that you just can't deal with really effectively in post. And a lot of people will say, well, I'll just shoot it like this and I'll edit it in post. And that's just the, that's just the wrong answer. To me, that's you saying that you don't know what you're doing and you don't care. What you want to do always with photos, of course, and especially with video, you want to get the best possible result in camera. So it speeds up your post-production workflow. And so when you do start correcting things and making changes, you're not going to stretch the image so far where you're introducing noise or any kind of other distortion. It's easier to just really master the skills that you need to get the best in-camera results. You'll have so much more latitude in editing and you'll have such a higher quality of product. There's a lot to learn anyway. And there's a lot of resources that you can go to, but I have put a link in the show notes to the only video training you will ever need. And I'm not exaggerating. This is a program that I bought myself. And I bought this before I even started the podcast when I was starting to learn video. And I bought a lot of books and courses, watched a lot of YouTube tutorials. And there's a problem with YouTube tutorials because they're often not quite as thorough as I would have liked. Some are just way too long, way too boring, and it takes you hours to really get through all of the material that you need. Well, this is a place, it's a paid course, and uh, like I said, there's a link to it in the show notes for this episode, where you can learn all of the essentials for video production for real estate, or for a general, if you want to learn about wedding videography, travel videography, it's all there. Corporate videography, really go check it out. This is something that I use right now, it's my only resource. When I have any kind of an issue with taking a video, if I'm in a situation that I'm unfamiliar with, this is the one place that I go to. When I want to buy gear or when I want to practice a new type of video or a new type of uh, transition or, or whatever, everything that is in that course is top notch and it will teach you how to make awesome quality video. There's even a special module within that course, that training material that is just on real estate video. So if you really want to be budget conscious and just spend money on the one thing that you really need, link is in the show notes for the real estate video module as well as the general course that includes the real estate video and the wedding video and the corporate video and the travel and everything. 
And like I said, it's just exhaustive tutorials, how to set up and use gimbals, how to set up and use multiple different cameras, how to edit, how to shoot in all kinds of different lighting situations, how to work with models and actors, how to do corporate gigs. It's got everything that you could possibly need, honestly. This is not a paid plug. I, I'm sorry. I know it sounds like a paid plug, but I honestly believe that without this course, I would not have been able to get the video work that I am now getting. And it's a huge help. You can just take leaps and bounds, skip over all those little trial and error phases and just go right into creating professional quality video. For full disclosure, that was not a paid plug, but I did put an affiliate link in the description. So if you follow that link, buy the course, I will get a commission. Your price does not change. You pay the same. If you're going to buy it anyway, it would help support the podcast and the time I'm investing in this. So I'd appreciate that. If you wanted to check the course out, but you did not want me to get a commission on it, there's a way for you to do that. You could follow the affiliate links and then reopen the page, research the URL in like an incognito window or something on a different web page. Then it wouldn't have that affiliate code. So when you buy, you just send all the money to the, to the course. That's fine if you just wanted to use the information, but make sure no one else actually benefited from it. Uh, it's up to you. <laughs> Last piece for video. And I've talked about this in other episodes too. What are you going to do for pricing? So photography, just like you can have a bunch of different package options video you can do a similar thing you could do the just standard real estate video you could do a real estate with drone then you could have the premium package with real estate video with drone and with an actor or a voice actor doing a voiceover for you don't let the real estate agents do a voiceover if you're going to produce something you want to produce it at the highest level that you possibly can. And you want to make sure you're getting paid for it, of course. So if you're going to hire a voice actor or an actor actor to be in the, the video, um, and this is for high-end shoots, don't do that for your run-of-the-mill listing because this gets really expensive unless the agent just wants to spend the money. Sometimes you have an agent, they want to spend money and they don't care. Don't let the agent say, could I do a voiceover and send you the file or whatever? A trained voice actor or a trained actor, someone with experience is going to just have way more production value than a realtor who's just going to read the public remarks that they typed up for the listing sheet anyway. It's not going to sound great and it's going to hurt your video quality. I know because I've tried it before and people would watch the video and they'd be like, yeah, but the voice was so weird. <laughs> well, that was a listing agent voice. I don't know what to tell you. They insisted I would get quotes for your cost on all of these things, whether you're going to be doing them or not. And then make sure if you're outsourcing any of this to a voice actor or to an actor that might be in the area, uh, get prices, upcharge them. Because remember, you're going to be managing all of this, putting it all together. And those for the high-end productions, you want to include all the costs, put an upcharge on there have it on an itemized invoice for your clients so they know what they're buying. And then you can have these different tiers just for real estate videos. You could go anywhere from like a couple hundred dollars to well over a thousand dollars for one video. You'll want to have a range for time. Some listings, it's going to be very easy to get a two and a two and a half minute long video and it's not going to be boring. It's going to be exciting and interesting and new things to show for every single clip. And then there's some houses that it's going to be really tough to even get past a minute, a minute 30. 
Personally, for real estate videos, I try to keep them two minutes or less in length. And I explain to agents, you know, you're going to get within that range. This price is not for time of video. It's for the production and creation of this video that'll end up probably between a minute or two. Then you can offer corporate videos. That you'd probably be better off just having a single package option. And the same thing for other talking head stuff like client testimonials, agent testimonials for brokers. You'd want to have like a little demo for each of these things. When it comes to setting a number for your price, you can have a couple different approaches. So I talk about pricing in another podcast episode. Briefly, you could start by comparison pricing. So you could look at what other video companies in your area, in your state or in other states might also be doing and say, okay, they're charging, you know, 500 for this, 200 for that, 350 for that. Hmm. You're going to get an idea of what kind of videos you're going to be producing and what kind of value that people are actually looking for or what kind of production quality people are actually looking for and paying for. That's a good place to start and then use that as a guide for when you're making your own prices. You could also do it by a what do I want to make kind of approach. You could try and do some test videos or just do practice runs. So let's say it takes you two hours to do your standard real estate video. Do you want to make $100 an hour, $250 an hour, $500 an hour, and then price accordingly? But of course, you will also be playing a balancing game between what is the most money I can ask for versus what is the most money an agent will be willing to pay me? You could say this is going to be a $1,000 video product, but the agent is going to be thinking in their head, um... Yeah, my budget's going to be like $200. <laughs> you can satisfy that need. You don't have to say, well, if you're not going to pay me a thousand bucks, you have to go screw. You can meet them somewhere in the middle. Or if, the, if you're like, that's your budget, here's what I can do for you at that price. So you don't necessarily have to turn people down if their budget is below what you are thinking that you need. You just have to manage their expectations as to what they're actually going to get for that kind of money. And you can show them your demo reel and say, this is the kind of quality of work that we do. If you can only afford half of that, you're going to get probably less than half of this quality of work. Like, you know, I could shoot it one take on my phone and do no post-production whatsoever, but just text it over to you when we're done. You know, like we can make this as cheap and bootlegged as we possibly could. It's up to you. I would lean towards the maintenance of my own personal brand. So I certainly wouldn't do anything below a certain production level. Um, but it's, it's good to be flexible if and when you can just to show your clients that you want to work with them and you want to do your best for them. They'll appreciate that even if they don't actually end up buying your video product. Vlad, I hope this answers your questions. Thank you very much. Jeff, thank you for your questions as well. Always great to get these kinds of questions for your real estate photography business. And I hope that you found my answers helpful. I tried to be as thorough as I can in as short a period of time as possible. So if you feel like I've glossed over some things or just didn't quite answer your questions feel free to reach back out. We could do a follow-up later on if we really needed to. And for everyone else, if you also have a question or you just want to reach out and say hello, you could find me on Instagram at Tom Vargeletis, T-O-M-V-A-R-G-E-L-E-T-I-S. 
Or you could email me, tom at ftrephoto.com. Links and contacts and everything will be in the show notes of this episode as well. And before we go, I just wanted to plug a couple things here. The full-time real estate photographer has a podcast and a book. The book you can find on Amazon. The book covers building your photography business from A to Z, from making the decision to even get into real estate photography all the way to more advanced things after you've started your business, like customer service, data management, all of that fun stuff. If you're interested in buying the book on Amazon, there'll be a link in the description. If you would like to buy the book from me directly, I'll actually profit ever so slightly more from a direct sale than a royalty split through the publisher. So you could always reach out to me at the aforementioned contact for that. Until I start getting way too many book orders, I will be signing them and adding a cute little note for you if you are into that kind of thing. (laughs) Secondly, if what you're needing is a little bit more than just some text and the audio and even this referral to the uh, video course that I mentioned earlier, the link is down below, by the way, you might also benefit from coaching. I offer real estate photography business coaching, and I've been doing it for a while now. This podcast is a little taste of that. You'll hear some of the interview episodes you'll see that I'm answering people's questions. There's certainly that going on when it comes to coaching, but there's also a higher degree of accountability and of a customized solution for you, for your personality, and for your business. And this is an important distinction to make because anyone can ask a question, but if you're not the kind of person that's going to do any of these things that I'm telling you here, How are you going to benefit from that at all? If I say, go do this video training course so you can learn how to do video, but you're thinking, eh, maybe I'll check it out one day or I'm not really going to go click on any links or anything. Well, what what you really need is that one-on-one interaction to find out why are you thinking this way and not making this decision. If you could almost double your income by just adding video to your business, why aren't you going there? And you'll probably come up with all these kinds of reasons as to, well, I'm not interested in this and it might be too much work. I don't have the time. But the real issue might just be that your business is not in the position that's going to empower you to actually make these things happen. Maybe you do have the time or maybe it's not nearly as much work as you think it is because it's, it's, it's work, but it's not that much more work than taking photos. And it just might be based on a simple misconception like that. So these kinds of things will come out during conversations. What we do in coaching is I like to do video call one hour a week and, you know, text message, phone calls, emails throughout the week if we need to. Like if we set a plan and I say you got to do it by Tuesday, I'm calling you on Tuesday to make sure you actually did it. And not just coming up with a plan, but a plan that you will actually take action on. Because when we look back at our history and the way we make decisions and the things that we do, we often notice our decision making is habitual. We tend to do the same things again and again. Now, life is always changing and things are you know, evolving and growing all the time. But you might tend to be a person that leans one way or the other, and we can find a solution that fits you and that fits your personality that's also going to grow your business to the next level. Not everyone is able to do this 
And it's tough to even start to go thinking down that road sometimes, especially on your own. I know I would not have been able to do it if I have not had the several coaches that I have throughout my business career before even real estate photography. It's worth considering. Just beware. (laughs) When you're coaching with me, it is not cheap and it is not just a one hour, you can do it, hooray session. I like to get down to the nitty gritty to really explore your business, the things that you do, everything that you do the way you talk to people, the equipment that you're using, how you're carrying it from your car to the house and back, everything, how you're dressed, (laughs) how your invoices look, how your website looks, because it really all matters. And we just want to make it better and better and better. So if you're interested in coaching, please reach out. Interested in the book, reach out. If you just want to say hello, I enjoy the podcast. I'd appreciate that too. I always love hearing from you. And that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I look forward to hearing from you soon.